0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and I'm coming to you with a special guest from the New York Post, Zach Braziller. Zach, just recently, actually today, I read the column, I think it may be like five in the morning, one of my dogs got me up. The title of this in the New York Post today, and you can find it online and everything is it may be time for Georgetown to pull the plug on Patrick Ewing. So obviously, we were talking about the Hoyas who are Six and fifteen. They are zero and ten in the Big East. That's their worst start. They are on an eleven-game losing streak, which is the worst in program history. Patrick Ewing is in his fifth year. Zach, that's a lot to get out there, real quick. Thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Yeah, man, my uh, my pleasure.
0: Um, okay, so really good article. I thought it was really fair. And I thought it covered all of the big points. Uh, I usually go to the big East tournament last year. I was not at the big East tournament. And of course, Georgetown ended up winning it somehow, which would have been nice to stay longer than a day, which is what my usual trip has been like. Uh, um, just the, the idea that we haven't even been a year from Patrick having his crowning achievement as a coach at his old house at Madison square garden. What can you remember what that was like last year? Were you able to be on
1: the scene and what was it like in New York? I, I only went one day. I went to the St. John's Seton hall game. You know, we, we, and I had so much other work to do getting ready for the NCAA tournament. When St. John's got eliminated, I just covered it from home because, first of okay. all, you, you were way upstairs. You had no access to players. It was all virtual. It really, you know, there were very – the crowds were very small. So there really wasn't much of a benefit to being there. Um, I mean, it's – so it was it was a very different kind of NCAA tournament, a Big East tournament. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was stunning that – I mean, I know Georgetown. Look, they played better as the year went on, but it was still stunning. You know, who knows what hap- what happens? They even get past Villanova if Gillespie doesn't get hurt. Um, I St. John's felt like a good match. You know, it was a good matchup for St. John's against them, but St. John's couldn't get past at all. Yeah, and then they just blitz. You know, blitz Creighton out of nowhere, which was just you know, I remember it was just um, <laughs> it was just it was a wild look. It was wild. It was a great achievement, but. You know, I this offseason I, I was on record. I thought they were going to be one of the weaker power conference teams in the country. I, I know they had a good class coming in, but they lose Wahab. Um, Trey King obviously doesn't, I guess, want to go to school or whatever, and so he doesn't make it. So you were basically counting on some freshmen, and besides Aminu Muhammad. These, it wasn't like we were talking about a bunch of top 40 guys. We were talking about good guy, good recruits who, in, you know, in time will be good players, but just, you know, to me it was just unfair to put so much on their plate. So I thought they would be down. I didn't think they'd be this bad. I mean, they were losing games, their own 10 in the league. They're losing games by an average of 13 and a half points, you know, not being able to keep Wahab. And look, was, I, I was talking to um, a big assistant coach the other day about it, and I, who basically said the dumbest transfer – in the sport and look, we had, we had, I mean, I don't even know how many transfers were there with, with the portal last year. you know, who knows too many to count, but this coach said it was by far the worst transfer of the year. I mean, Ewing really developed Wahab. Wahab came in as kind of an overlooked, you know, low three-star recruit. He developed him to be one of the better big men in the big East would have, you know, probably one of the very best big men in the big East. He was so good. Now he goes to Maryland, which is obviously a mess. Um, and look, not to say Georgetown would have been that much better with him, but obviously would have been a lot different with him. And if, you know, Trey Young would have worked out.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned that, you know, you thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, you know, the coaches agreed, they picked them 10th, only ahead of DePaul, which is almost like a ceremonial, you know, positioning really. Um, and you kind of, you kind of went over some of the issues with the team and how, you know, they've been losing by such a large margin, all that stuff. So they're 0-10. Like, what is it to you that was like, hey, look, they're 0-10. I need to get in on this, you know, national opinion of of where Georgetown is. Like, what is it exactly that kind of sticks out to you as, you know, just bottoming out?
1: No, I I watched their their two. I mean, I've watched a good amount of them, but I watched closely their two games this week. You know, obviously I cover St. John's. So I watched yeah. that game and yeah. um, and then I yesterday there was really nothing on as I was writing. And so I I watched the game against Providence. And I, like i want to be clear i think ewing is a good coach i don't think he's a bad coach yeah. i just don't think college is right for him like like i wrote this isn't this isn't chris mullen and st john's where someone who just didn't put the time in hired the wrong people and basically thought he could do the job in, in, in nine months instead of 12 i think ewing really cares about georgetown i think he's working hard i just for whatever reason i just don't think college is right for him he if you're not getting top 25 players and you're not getting good recruits, you have to keep your players. It's, you have to keep your top players or you just not going to be a successful program. And we've seen it time and again. And he just, he can't do that. You know, he, 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 he loses Wahab. We obviously know what happened with, you know, when we thought Georgetown was going to be very good a few years ago with all those guys who left yeah. and to me, it's, it's, and you watch them this this week and just in general, like they're they're non-competitive. And a school like Georgetown in a recruiting hotbed like they are just should not be like that. It should not be this bad. They haven't been ranked in seven years, you know. Um St. John's hasn't been good for a while, but like there are reasons for that. St. John's has poor facilities, it's in a pro-town, you know, they've made a lot of bad coaching decisions. It it's a hard place to win. Georgetown is not should not be that tough of a place to develop a winning tradition.
0: Yeah. And I guess, you know, going, going back to last year's Big East tournament, I thought one of the things I pointed to a lot on a lot, we had obviously a lot of podcasts, a lot of interest at the time is, did you get the sense? I know you weren't there on the scene, but it it did seem even though Georgetown, like you said, hasn't been ranked in seven years, it showed that when they got good for four days, they became a big story. People cared again, like it mattered. And does that kind of go into, you know, just pointing out like all the problems around because you know, I think of Providence right now, no offense to the Friars, if they were 0-10, you know, maybe not the same kind of um, attention, right?
1: No, no doubt about it. And to me, like, I mean, the it, I mean, you would know better than me. It just feels like the fan base is, is just apathy has set it. And that's the worst thing you can have, yeah. you know, as a team. And look, I, I'm a sports writer in New York. I, I'm well, I, I've seen <laughs> apathy firsthand with a lot of teams, the Knicks, the Jets, the Mets, St. John. I, I could go on and on forever. But that's the way you know you anger is good. Apathy is is the last thing you want. And it it kind of feels like that's what's happening at Georgetown. You know, the someone sent me the attendance figures, which are just, you know, it's
0: not it's grim, I think is the word I keep using to describe it. Right.
1: And I mean the crowd yesterday. I saw some shots of that. And and look, I want to be clear, I I don't I think I think Patrick really cares. And I think he is a good like I talked to someone who said he thought Ewing was one of the best coach in the big east at making in-game adjustments like i i think he is a good coach i mean we saw what he did with that team last year it's just i think he'd be better suited in the nba for whatever reason to me he's not connecting with kids in in this transfer era that's just so important you you know i know the whole saying like you don't need to, you don't need to like the coach because the coach is going to, you know, get on you and all that stuff, but you still, there needs to be a health, healthy amount of respect. And to some extent enjoy being with him because in this day and age, it's so easy for guys to transfer. I mean, would it, would it stun anybody if Muhammad transferred it after this year? I mean, we obviously Matumbo I don't think he's going to transfer for obvious reasons, but like, you know, and look, St. John's has the same issue. You know, even after last year, they had a really good year and a bunch of their players transferred and, now, it, it's just when you're when you're a George Hunter St. John's and you're trying to, you know, kind of get back to your roots and be a consistent winner, the most important thing to me is con- continuity, and that's been a big issue for St. John's. I think they're actually more talented than they were last year, but just having so many new guys, it's really taken time, and now they're starting to play a little better, and they're hoping to, you know, go on a run here in February and get back in the 20 mix, but... I just think if you do these programs and you're not bringing in elite players, whether it's high school recruits or transfers, and you can't retain your players. It just it makes it impossible to be a to winning be a winning program, you know, aside from, you know, obviously catching lightning in a bottle last year. So obviously we've
0: decided we've determined that the Chris Mullen to Patrick Ewing thing isn't apples to apples, but you've been through it up there. OK, and this has been this has sort of gone different than JT3. JT3, who I thought had one of the more safer jobs in the country, basically had, you know, two dud years and the fan base was just losing their mind. You know, Patrick, the, the results haven't really been there over a longer period of time. And, you know, the fan base is definitely, you know, the ones that haven't checked out. They're kind of, you know, what the hell's going on here? How did the transition go at St. John's? I think from the Georgetown perspective, there's this idea that even though. They switched coaches from JT three to Patrick Ewing. A lot of the same infrastructure stayed, you know, um, you know, there was an assistant that stayed Um, Ronnie Thompson, JT 3s brother was still with the program in some capacity. So how do you have something where everyone goes their separate ways and you're still part of that history? Because I don't think any of the upset Georgetown fans want to run Patrick Ewing out of town, but if he does leave, how can it happen so that everyone's still, you know, okay in the end
1: you know st john's was weird because you know Mullins, you know it, his first year was terribly inherited a bad roster and you know the year it was one of the worst years in program history but it was kind of hard to really place it on him just because you know steve lavin left him so little and they really had to scramble just to kind of create a competent division on roster and then you know year three was a huge step back people thought they would be good um, they started 0 11 in the league they lost a million close games but then year four they they were good. Like they were supposed to be good. They were there. I think they were ranked at one point. Yeah. Um, they beat Villanova at the garden, had a huge comeback in early February and it looked like they were going to be like a six in the tournament. So there wasn't really talk of Mullen leaving. And then the team really just collapsed. I mean, there was a lot of problems. The coaching staff didn't get along and, and all this stuff. And, but people still thought, you know, he wasn't going anywhere. I mean, I asked, they lost in the f- first four to Arizona state, just a brutal game. Um, just didn't really show up. And I asked him, he's coming back and he said, yes. And, you know, most people did think he was coming back and there was a lot of mixed messages and and stuff like that about, you know, he wants an extension or they want to say, you have to change your assistance. You got to come back. And, you know, he eventually just kind of stepped away. So, you know, I think most people thought it was for the best. Um, he really wasn't, you know, by the, by the last year or so, he really wasn't active in recruiting at all. Um, you know, the team the, the team kind of was going backwards, even though they had talent. You know, it was last year, they, they did have a very talented roster. I mean, they had Mori Pons, they had LJ Figueroa, they had Mustafa Heron, they had like three, you know, on paper, people thought it was a legit top 25 to 30 team in the country, but they, they had no size, and they were poorly coached. Um, I think... By then, most, most even Mullen supporters who going back to the 80s kind of realized it's probably best if, if, we, if we move on. It's just going to hurt his legacy even more. I mean, I know a lot of St. John still who right now who think of Mullen more as the guy who really didn't put in the time at his alma mater than the great player. That, you know, they're always going to remember that, but there's still a lot of people that still hold animosity to him because he clearly didn't give it his best. Because how is he
0: viewed there still?
1: I mean, I'll give you an example. They, they, they did a, they made, um, they create a statue for Luke Karnasaka. Okay. He didn't show up.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what people want to avoid here. I mean, you know, they honor John Thompson Jr. Who passed away. They named the court after him at Capital One Arena and his, his grandkids took part in the, in the ceremony. And neither Ronnie, who I said is, you know, part of the program in some capacity, and JT three, who's easily the best, you know, the second best coach in the program didn't take a part in a public event like that. That's kind of the same. And I think that is the worry for the fans that are still left that are, you know, they feel like maybe it's best that Ewing goes back to the NBA or, you know, they want some change, but you don't want to alienate your program's best ever player.
1: Yeah. It's look, it's, you know, um, there's a Rutgers fan I'm, I'm friends with and, uh, when I when I when he saw my Georgetown thing, he sent me a DM and he said, "Never hire hometown heroes." Rutgers went through the same thing with Eddie Jordan. You remember? Yeah, yeah. Um, who was just you know Eddie Jordan got him Steve Pikel and Steve Pikel's done a good job there. So I guess it worked in the end. But you know I mean look, you could think of a million examples. You know Clyde Drexler, um, you know Juwan Howard's the one that has worked, and and it looks like Mike Woodson I, I think could work too. He's he's having a pretty solid first year, but more often than not, it just creates more, problem. it creates more problems. Like you said, it's, there's this conflict of, you know, there, like I said, there are a lot of St. John's fans who don't want to hear you badmouth Mullen, even though he was a really big coach and probably set the program back by taking the job. But there are also a lot of people that feel the exact opposite, you know, it, and, and like, clearly it, the part of the ways was not, didn't go down. Well, he's, you know, the St. John's had a game in, um, San Francisco, Mike Anderson's first year, a game that basically was set up because of Mullen. Yeah. And he didn't even show up. He lives out there. So.
0: Right. Um, uh, what draw a lot of attention, even though a lot of us um, seem to understand that Ewing has at some point been extended since winning the Big East tournament, you've, you've got that in here. Um, in the past, Georgetown has announced extensions. Do you read anything into the fact that that's not a public, knowledge situation like it's not like it's not something that they that they presented out there
1: yeah no i mean i look i um i asked a few different uh people and you mm-hmm. know they said he was given extension I, I don't unfortunately i don't know that much about it right. um but i do know he was uh he was extended um, and, and
0: then you, you you obviously, you know, between covering, you know, right. Seton Hall a little bit, I'm sure, but a lot of St. John's, all these private institutions, you can't really dig in and figure or, out what right. exactly is going on. So just by getting an extension, for example, for the fans listening that remember Craig Eshrick, he got a six year extension the year before he was let go. I'm not right. saying that Ewing is going to get lower or whatever, but this idea of the extension is not necessarily something to say well this happened and because of that there's you know yeah. so much longer to go that's
1: one thing i that's one thing i i, I don't like about the big East. i wish they were public, <laughs> i wish there were like public schools where you could, you could <laughs> actually get your hands on these contracts like like mike anderson was given an uh, an extension last year but I don't think it has a like i don't think it changed his buyout at all you know um, yeah. that's the big when you're talking about extension that's that's the big question is is it guaranteed and what does it do to the buyout and a lot of times with these extensions, you know, unless a coach is wildly successful and they want to make it impossible for someone to poach him, you know, they do it because it's it's important for recruiting. You know, the coach can tell the recruit, Hey, I won their contract for six more years, but you know, if the, but like a Ewing or Anderson who made, hasn't, you know, made Elite eights or final fours, you don't want to make it impossible for yourself to get out of the contract. If you know, things go south.
0: So, the big East, the Georgetown job, if it were to come open, you know, the talk locally is because the Maryland job is open. And the last time the Maryland job was open, this big argument about is it the top 20 job is a top 25 job, obviously being a college, you know, college sports, college basketball. That's the, you know, that's what always comes up. Where, where do you view the Georgetown job whenever it might open up?
1: It's a good question. You know, I think Maryland's a very good job. I think Georgetown's a really good job. Georgetown's a sleeping giant. I mean, we all know how good the area is in talent. The Big East is a is a really good league. You know, um, you have the Capital One Center. You know, I, I don't know. Thompson if top Center 20. is pretty newish. Oh, it's like five years old now. Facilities are really nice. I mean, it's great history. Yeah, I, I think top 20 is realistic. I think you could make the argument it's probably the third or fourth best job in the Big East right now. I think yeah. Villanova is obviously a great job. They just have, you know, They have the new pavilion. Um, I think UConn is obviously a great job. It's a state school, and they have phenomenal facilities. And Marquette's obviously – Marquette's a really good job. I don't think people realize how good of a job Marquette is just because of how much money they put into basketball.
0: I I, I didn't realize that until I got to – when I started covering the league and I realized what Buzz Williams was playing with. Just private jets all over the place all the time, You know, just the, the amount of money that Marquette puts in.
1: Yeah, which was which made the the fact that Wojo could never build a winner just made it even more hard to believe when you realize like I I think I saw some number, they have like the fifth they have their top five in budgets in the entire country or something. Like they they just they you know it's and they have they have great facilities and um they're they have a huge fan base. They play in a great arena. I mean Marquette is a very, very underrated job, but I would put Georgetown right there, three or four um, in the league, no doubt.
0: So we're always seeing, you know, the brackets right now, usually biggie six or seven teams, depending on what Seton Hall and Creighton are doing that day. And I know St. John's wants to get back in the mix. Um, Would you have believed when the league split like it did that Georgetown and St. John's could basically be passengers
1: for this long and the league's having no problems? Uh, Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't think anyone could have guessed that you know Xavier Crane and Butler until recently would be so good. I mean, they've been just phenomenal ads, um, no doubt about it. And then you know, adding Marquette was obviously tremendous. I mean, I, I'm sorry, adding UConn was obviously just a no no brainer. Yeah, yeah. You know, Some people don't love it, but I mean, it just raises the league's profile. Um, you know, I I mean, Luke Creighton. I mean, Creighton to me is just. I don't think anyone could imagine this. I mean, look at last year. Last year they're a good team. They make the Sweet Sixteen. They're a very good team. They lose their entire starting five, and here they are. And you know, I know they've lost some games, but they're right in the mix. I thought Creighton was going to be like ninth or tenth in the league. I didn't think they'd be very good at all, and I was dead wrong. He's done a he's a he's a terrific offensive coach. There are very few offensive coaches better than than um, Greg McDermott in the league and his team's defensively the last few years have really improved. You know, it was always that Crane's going to score but you could, you know, you could get whatever shot you want against them. You know, they're going to score but then you could just beat them down in transition. They've gotten much better defensively the last few years to where they're, you know, a two-way team where they they can beat you without just out, outscoring you. Um and then look, you have some big surprises obviously. Providence is a huge surprise. I I thought they'd be good. I didn't obviously I didn't think they'd be this good. I know the metrics hate them, but you know what? They win, and that's what matters. Marquette's obviously been a huge surprise. I think Marquette's the best team in the league. I know they're they have four, I think four league losses, but um, to me, they're the most dangerous team in March, no question about it. Obviously, Villanova is still a very good team. I know they have injuries now, but I still think they're a sweet 16 team. I think Seaton Hall is I think Seaton Hall is a team that a lot of people are gonna forget about because they've had they got into this their annual January swoon, which they do every year. But they've been they've dealt with a lot of injuries. They really, you know, they were playing great and they had a long COVID pause and they took two losses when they had about eight guys. I think Seton Hall is a is a potential sleeper team in the NCAA tournament. I think they're probably gonna be somewhere between a a seven to a 10 seed. But the way they defend, they have shot makers. Willard's a really good coach. I think the lead, I think this is definitely the best the league has been. And I think there are four to five teams that can make the second weekend.
0: And just, you know, it's it's good news for Georgetown to St. John's that the league is still, you know, a power, but at the same time, right, like it's you know, you would think that these teams need to step up and you know kind of carry their own weight.
1: Yeah, I mean, you would at some point you would think that, but the league hasn't needed it yet. I mean, which is amazing. Now, the one thing about the league though is as good as it's been, and I think it's obviously exceed expectations, it has not done well in March. I think they've had, they haven't sent more than two teams to the tournament. That's only happened twice. Two teams to the second week, second weekend right. of tournament, and that's only happened twice. To me, this a is... Lot a lot of Villanova. Right. And look, you've won two national titles, but the league needs to really, to really earn respect. The league needs to get three to four teams in the Sweet 16, get a few teams to the lead Eight. And on paper, the league is very good this year, but if they go in and and they just have Villanova, you know, one or two teams in the Sweet Sixteen. People gonna say, "Yeah, well, typical Big East." You know, they they're great November, December, and then when it really matters, it, they they fall short. So I think it's very important for the conference to have a big March.
0: If you had to guess, Patrick Ewing coaching when the season starts in November at Georgetown.
1: Yes, I think so. I think he. I, I do. I I, you I do. He, yes, I think I think one you know, look, they got a lot of young guys, a lot of freshmen. I think like, I don't think he's, I don't think they'll fire. Him. Right. I think it'll come down to if this year goes bad enough, does, does he just say him and the, the administration like, let's just, it's just not working. Let's just, you know, come to an agreement. And, you know, I think there's a chance of that, but I, I don't, I don't think Ewing wants to go out like this. I think he's going to want to say, let me, let me get some good transfers. Let me try to develop these freshmen And I think we could be good next year. The league will not be as good next year as it is this year. It's a really good league. You know, I I think, like I said, it's the best the league has been. You know, there's been a lot of talk about why St. John's was, you know, there's been talk like, oh, St. John's misses all the kids that left. No, no, they don't. What St. John's misses is the league wasn't, wasn't very good last year. And so they finished fourth last year. But to me, they're a better team this year. And, you know. That's something I think everyone kind of forget. The league is significantly better this year. So you expect some teams to be down a little next year. You get some more experience to the fresher, maybe bring in some good transfers. I so I don't think he's I don't think he's gonna wanna um go out like this, like going, you know, two and seventeen or whatever it is. Did Mullen
0: did Mullen ever change his assistants? One of the things with Georgetown is besides the roster retention issue is that their defense has been really poor he's had the same assistance five years in a row and the results haven't changed so i i i could see ewing being the coach in november i think it'd be hard to sell to the fan base it's not really showing up if they bring the entire band back together
1: Fair, that's fair no i mean the one change st john's made was you know they had barry rorson and it didn't really work and after the second year they let him go and that to me was okay one of the biggest mistakes Mullen made was when <laughs> when Barry Worsten got let go. He should have either elevated Dan Maddock, who was a who had been a longtime Division One assistant who was their director of ops, elevate him or bring someone else in. Instead, he just promoted Mitch Richmond, who, you know, didn't recruit. You know, almost kind of had a notion. Sh- like I'm sure he did stuff in practice, but like, yeah. he was. You know, like you look at this, all these programs, even St. John's Pro now. I know there's some St. John's fans who don't love this staff. But St. John's now, the entire staff recruits, the entire staff coaches, that's the way it works now in college basketball. You don't have guys who just recruit or just do this or just that. Everyone kind of does a little bit of everything, at least the good schools, that's what happens. That was, to me, the biggest mistake Momo made was he could have brought in someone new and he didn't. Whether it was someone to help you get players, whether it was someone who could do a little bit of everything. And that, to me, was his biggest mistake. And I agree with you. I mean, I don't know how you do if, you know, (laughs) I don't know how you sell just say, well, our freshmen are going to get better. I think you do need to make some changes because I agree. Like, you know, I, I remember a few years ago, when Miles Powell's on Seton Hall, Georgetown like doing just let him get wide open looks for three. I think he, the big stormy had like something crazy in the first half. I think he, outsc- yeah.
0: I was there and I think he outscored them. Right. Which is what yeah. Bynum did yesterday in the second half. Right. Um, Yeah.
1: And I mean, St. that was, you know, the St. John's game. so he, you know, Julian and Champagne, they're, you know, been really struggling and he, Now he did play well against Butler too, but he really struggled. He got some just great looks from three and they just, that's one the Georgetown team just does not defend. It has an entire Ewing era. It has not played consistent defense, maybe except for four days last uh, March.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely, that's definitely kind of been the theme. It may be time for Georgetown to pull the plug on Patrick Ewing, uh, Zach Braziller at NY post underscore Brazil, B-R-A-Z-I-L-L-E uh zach uh i've known you through twitter for a while i want to really thank you for coming on kente corner on such short notice but the fan base was really interested in your piece today so thanks for that um probably not making it up for the biggest tournament so i'm not going to see you in person this year but thank you again
1: Cool, well, man my uh, my pleasure have a good one good luck uh maybe they can win a few here huh
0: maybe maybe <laughs> all right zach all
1: right man have a good one all right see you